What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. The All Sinners Podcast Post Game Edition, Episode 167. Boys, it's 106 a.m. Eastern Time. Eastern Time. Ryan and I bored in like four hours <laughs> yep. to come back to Oklahoma City. Uh, we've only even been in Orlando for about 24 hours. No sleep till Houston. That, that's no our, our connections Houston. in Houston. I will not be sleeping till uh, I'm in Houston. But here we are. We made it. It was an adventure. We can recount a little bit of the travel woes. Uh, we were not immune. Nobody was immune. Nobody got here when they were planning to in this entire beat, which is amazing. But we did make it. Who drove like a madman across the country to make it here in time? I made a 16 and a half hour drive in 16 and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> just straight, just literally not even plan, just drop everything and go. Yep. And he made it. We made it last late last night via flights. We very nearly missed our flight, but we did make it. And here we are. We were at the Cheez-It Bowl today. We're Oklahoma lost to Florida State 35 to 32. What a game. It was a great game. It was a great crowd. It was the, I think, Cheez-It Bowl record or, or yep. close to it, I want to say. Uh, it was most m- since 2011 when Florida State was here last I would say, now, it was mostly Florida State fans. I would say about 80-20, uh, probably at least uh, in favor of Florida State. But it was a great atmosphere. It was a fun game, competitive, and about as good of a loss as you could really have for Oklahoma because most people didn't give them much of a chance, us included, yeah. and they were right in this thing. I can't – I wanted to ask Brent the, more, the, the question about moral victories – Hey, Brent, I know this is a, you know, you don't like moral victories. I didn't think he would swallow that hook at all. So I, I took my question a different way. I got the first question in the press conference. That's shocking. Um, but I, so, uh, you know, I asked him a question about, you know, you did lose the game, but is there something here for you to build on? Because, guys, this team showed a level of fight and scrappiness and uh, offensive line toughness in the trenches and defensive line making plays in the backfield that we really haven't seen consistently this year. And this was a 9-3, 13th ranked in the country Florida State team. Really talented team. Ta- talent across the board. Uh, I think we counted it up. They had something like 11 players who made uh, some level of all, C- all ACC. This is a good Florida State team, and Oklahoma took the fight to them. Now, Oklahoma was overmatched, outmanned. Had no chance to win this game, right? Except that at the end, they nearly did. And this felt different than those other losses where at the end it was, I can't believe they lost. If they'd have just made a couple more plays. This one felt totally different. This one felt like, holy crap, they almost won. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is, it's wild to say that too because we'll, we'll talk about it, but this is a game where Oklahoma should have been up 21-3 to yeah. if it weren't for a holding penalty that took Gavin Sawchuck's, what would have been his first touchdown, but he got that back later. But – I think that's a little bit more forgivable when you played with four of your five offensive linemen being reserves. Uh, When we came to Orlando, we knew both tackles were going to be out and Andrew Rain was going to be out, right? We did not know that Chris Murray was not going to play. So that meant that Savion Bird stepped in. Oh, by the way, McCade Mattire, who started at left guard, shifted over, played a ton of right guard. So you're one starter didn't even really play in his position the entire time. And then on the third offensive play of the game, Jake Sexton, Jacob Sexton, who you had rep for 15 practices as your starting left tackle, left the game, didn't return. So Aaron Parks, it was like backups on backups. It's, a, it's the worst version of Inception that was ever pitched. That's what Oklahoma's offensive line was. And at halftime, we all know Sam Mays, you know, known for offensive linemen. That, that's what he likes to do. We've all worked with him. I texted Sam at halftime and was like, this is the most mean, angry, fired up. I think I've seen this Oklahoma offensive line 
since the Big 12 championship game against Texas. And that was a bunch of backups, Savion Bird included. And so I think that's why this one feels a lot different because uh, it, I, it's not as dire straits as when Dylan Gabriel wasn't playing against Texas, but this is a team that it's like they are already worse than Florida State. They are full-strength Oklahoma's worse than Florida State. This was not full-strength Oklahoma. It was full-strength Florida State. And OU was maybe a few timeouts or uh, uh, truly a handful of plays here or there from actually winning this cheese ball Yeah, we'll get into it in a second, but Savion Bird was a dog in this game. He was juiced. He was pumped to play, excited to be out there, and he – he was finishing blocks everywhere. He was a lot of fun to watch, uh, which you can't always say about offensive linemen. Sometimes you don't notice them. I noticed Savion Bird in this game. He was he was an animal out there. Uh, after the game, Rob Conjol, who was the uh, the veteran holding that group together, weirdly enough, he basically was like, yeah, I looked up time and time again, and Savion Bird was like 10 yards down the field flopping on somebody, finishing off a play. And he was like, I was cracking up there the was, whole time. There was a couple times where McKay Matar had to kind of do this thing. <laughs> Pace yourself, well, big it, man. It wasn't, it wasn't just that. The refs in the second quarter yes, like stopped the play. It should have been a running clock to look at the Florida State defensive line and mostly Savion Bird and be like, cool it. Everybody stop. <laughs> It was uh, it was an emotional game. It was chippy, especially these teams. A lot of trash talk. This is one of those things too. Dylan where Dylan Gabriel threw a football at somebody. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel uh, on the first drive of the game gets pushed to the sideline. Someone from the sidelines chirping. He chirps back, and as he's like trotting back onto the field, he like slightly looks over, and he just like rocketed the football back into the sideline and hit a coach. I think it ended up hitting him in the gut. <laughs> but it didn't look like that at first. Yeah. No, this game was, I asked, him, had an I edge asked to Dylan it. about that too. I asked Dylan about the edge that he was playing with today. He said, Yeah, that's just a competitor in me. He was glad to be back home in or back in Florida where he spent three yeah. years. And uh Billy Bowman after he intercepted Jordan Travis, tossed the ball back at him. Yeah. Got away with it. He did it very slyly towards not draw a penalty. That was a savvy veteran move from uh from Billy Bowman on that. But so yeah, the whole game had juice to, to it. Stutzman too. And Stutzman yeah. just watched the ball walk. <laughs> Fly past him and <laughs> Off the a punt. <laughs> the whole game had a juice to it. And this is one of those games where um, I'm pro bowl game. People that do the whole bowl games, they don't mean anything. They don't care. Players don't care about them. Go attend one like that. Yeah. Once the game started, it felt like, I know it's, it's not as the cheesy bowl, but it felt like the most important game in the world once it starts. The crowd is into it. It's two Blue Bloods playing. They don't get to play all the time. I love bowls. Um, watch more, attend more. If you're a bowl hater, that's what my recommendation would be because this game – it felt important. This was a good one. It was. It was a very – we were sitting there on the field kind of at the end of the game like, this has been a good game. Like, yeah. it has been yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. And uh, I asked, you know, you're talking about you don't want to really do the moral victory thing with, with Brent. I asked Woody Washington. I kind of – same thing, kind of danced around it. I, know, I said, I know you don't want to do the moral victory thing, but he kind of admitted, like, yeah, no really gave us a shot. So we were happy with what we did. You know, I mean, we want to win, obviously. We care, but – you know, we, we played out that we played with pride, and we wanted it, and we played well. And when, again, he mentioned when nobody really gave us a shot to be in this game. So they were aware. You know, they were aware of how big of underdogs they were. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Oklahoma fans who don't really want to do the whole, like, being happy about a loss thing. But, I mean, it's a, it's incredible this, with all the players they were missing. And like Ryan said, they're just not as good anyway. Yeah. To, to do what they did, they were, they were really close. So they lose 35-32. This is their fifth loss of the season by three by seven points or less i think their fourth loss fourth straight loss by three points and that is just mind-blowing like they're yeah. literally lincoln riley if you're watching they're agonizingly close <laughs> right to winning some of these games now uh you don't win what does that tell you it tells you that your team is talented enough scrappy enough whatever it is 
has those qualities to be in a football game with just about anybody. You know, Florida State's not going to win a national title anytime soon, but they're nine and yeah. three, third in the ACC, I think. Uh, this is a, this is a hard put uh, hard football team to put your finger on with Oklahoma because, like I said, they're good enough to be in those games. They're good enough to be competitive in those games, but they're not good enough for one reason or another, and it always seemed like a different reason. But they just don't make a play here. They make a mistake there. Coaching decision occasionally pops up. They're just not good enough to win those games, and that's the hard part. Uh, we're we're working on some stuff that you know the, a lot of quotes about the future being bright at Oklahoma. And Brent Venables said uh, we're going to be okay. You know we're going to be fine, mm-hmm. and that's the way he phrased it. And a lot of players uh, and assistant coaches said the same thing. Yeah, because I mean, if, if you want to peel this thing apart. First losing season since 98. That's official. Put that, stamp that one. It, I think that 1998 gets a free t-shirt for all the times it's been referenced. It's one more on the punch card. Um, and tonight you had Braden Willis, big first down, taken off the board for illegal man downfield. You had Savion Bird took Gavin Sawchuk's touchdown off the board, which that was turned into, should have been a field goal attempt. It was a field goal attempt. Schmidt missed it. Might be looking in the portal for a kicker. Uh, you had... Uh, another, the Gavin Freeman first down that looked like it was going to help spark something. That one got called back. So we've talked about that ad nauseum, but I think that fans, if you're saying, okay, if Savion Bird in his first major action has a couple of those, but he's also taken it to a talented Florida State defensive line, I think fans are more okay with that kind of growth than a, a guy rolling out there of, like, how many times last year did you see Chris Murray have a crucial penalty like that? And then it's happened again this year. And it's nothing against Chris Murray. He's just a veteran guy that fans expect more of a guy that's had a ton of starts. So I think that's why this one feels a little bit different. No one's happy with the loss by any means. But, I mean, the expectation, who and I were talking before the game, this line had opened at 7.5, had pushed toward 10, 9.5, depending on where you were looking. And none of us, I think, at the site had picked Oklahoma to sniff even a backdoor cover, much less being in a position where, hey, if you have a a fumble from a true freshman, and and maybe if that doesn't happen, you go in and you score, and your defense has a touchdown lead to hold on to as opposed to having to have a stop. And then on top of that, you two awful timeouts were burned in the third quarter, which didn't give OU much of a chance. Like, there were coaching issues. There were discipline stuff. But when it's the young guys, it's different. I think that's kind of what uh, Oklahoma fans were frustrated with for most of this year. The two two Sawchuck plays, think about that. If he doesn't fumble – uh, in, in an awkward position where he's reaching forward and gets his arm hit, yeah. uh, and then the holding penalty that calls back his touchdown. If those two plays are go the other way, those two one those single two plays go the other way. Oklahoma's in firm control of this game. Oklahoma. That's how close it is. That's how frustrating it is for those players. Not firm control. Oklahoma wins the football game. Yeah, probably. Twenty-one yeah, three. I think Florida State may have been in danger of rolling up a little bit if you had gone out and got a stop because. Guys, that was a defensive line from Florida State that I think that they thought in the first quarter they were just going to roll out there and they're more talented and yep. Oklahoma's playing with a ton of backups. And Oklahoma started throwing haymakers along the offensive line. They're going, uh, what is happening? Who is Bird and why is he uh, pancaking me right now? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and you can, that whole one or two play, I mean, you could, feels like all those close losses, it's felt that way. Like those key moments went against Oklahoma all year. Uh, just when they couldn't, it was like that again. This time it just feels a little different because the expectation was so much different going into the game, but still kind of similar in, in that in that regard. We'll break it down. We're not going to go real long tonight because, like we said, it's late. We got to get to the airport. It's been a really rough week been a long of day traveling, and um, 
excited to be just back home and get back to some OU hoops. Uh, Josh and I started this day covering recruiting across yeah, town a long time over ago. in Kissimmee. A long time ago. Um, Seems like, like three days ago now, doesn't it? Yeah. Talk to Jackson Arnold today. Go to the website. Find our story and our our uh, video on Jackson Arnold. We got about twenty minutes with him total. I was thinking about that earlier when we. I was like, we got up and began this day. Feels like forever ago. Um, ago. And we're about to hop right back in the plane and go back <laughs> to home. We'll break it down offense defense first. Now we 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 talked about obviously the offensive line, which certainly gets a gold star um, for just somehow somehow just uh, somehow it makes no sense. No sense what they did. It's one of those things where you're just like, we know nothing. It, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense that what they did in this game with the guys they were missing. Give it up to Bill Biedenbo. Bill Biedenboe, take a bow tonight. Yeah. Uh, he's feeling good. Drink one. 245 um, yards Biedenboe. rushing, I think. 200-yard rushers. Wow. That's where we got to go next because the story of the guy game is probably Gavin Sawchuk. Yeah. Um, Where's he been all year, coach? This was just his kidding. opportunity. Just kidding. This was his opportunity, and – it feels like the beginning of something uh, with him. He he just has one of those. He just has a look to him of that guy's different. That guy's good. He's, we were kind of talking about on the field. Uh, T.J. Eckert and myself. He's kind of like a Kenny Brooks, Rodney Anderson mesh with that slow kind of just kind of glidey style, but also but has that Rodney feel of just kind of different. You know what I mean? He's when you watch him, he looks slow and glidey, but trust me, he's moving faster than everybody else. Oh yeah, which Kenny Brooks was that way. Uh Kennedy was never moving faster than everybody else. He's literally he's got sprinter speed. Uh Gavin does. So the thing that got me about him was he was breaking so many tackles today. When he yeah. gets the football, uh, you can see he hits a seam quicker than everybody else. Uh, he goes past the tackler quicker than everybody else. What surprised me was the strength, the power, the balance, the spinning, moving, getting away from guys, getting away from big FSU 240-pound linebackers. He's pulling away from them. He's getting into them and pulling away from the contact. That was impressive. Yeah, his first rush that went over 10 yards, it was exactly what Hoove was talking about. He got down low, spun out of it, center gravity, balance, all that. And that's when I think uh, I had Hoove to my left and Bob Prisbill to my right, and we both kind of all looked around and were like, oh, yeah. he, this isn't the – Sawchuck's going to get a couple of carries. He might have something. And, and I was talking um, with you guys before we started recording – Sawchuck finishes with 100 flat. Barnes goes for 108. That's the first time since 1985 that a pair of freshmen have, have rushed for 100 yards at Oklahoma. Shout out to the OU comms team, Mike Houck, for, for digging up and finding that one. But it, it was so just, you know, in the recruiting process, everyone had said thunder and lightning, all that. Very rarely does it ever work out that way, and that's exactly what it looked like. Barnes finished. He was the leading rusher, but it felt like he was having to grind, grind, grind. Sawchuck, every time he he cleared one of the tackles and got to the perimeter, I was like, this thing, like, everybody buckle up. This thing might go. And uh, I think that's just kind of a level of excitement that even Eric Gray, who has been the most consistent player Oklahoma's had all year and a complete back, when he hit the open field, there was never a moment where I'm just like, oh, gosh, he might just run away from everybody. And Sawchuck had that every time it felt like he had any kind of space around him. Did Caleb yeah. Hicks and Dalen Smothers enter the transfer portal tonight? <laughs> <laughs> they just signed last week, and they come out, and they're two sophomores. Next year, sophomores. The true freshmen this year both go for 100 against Florida State's defense. Top 20 defense. Uh, at running back, okay, at running back, the future is very bright. Yeah, I was thinking – I was just thinking that. The running back room is going to be just fine uh, <laughs> next year uh, and up to the year after that. And moving forward with those guys you just mentioned, Mr. Hicks and Mr. Smothers, um, they're in – in great shape. I mean, you talk about the beginning of the year. It was it was Eric Gray who had a great season, and then it was probably Marcus Major, and you didn't have either of those guys in this game. And yep. 
Barnes and Sawchuck just ran with it. They were both uh, great in this game. Sawchuck is going to be a lot of fun. You just feel like, you know, people did the whole, yeah, like you joking, but people did say that. You know, where was he all season? Well, a few things. Obviously, Eric Gray was great, yep. so you didn't really have much of a reason. But then also, remember, Gavin Sawchuck didn't enroll early, which just kills you. For We said the same thing with C.J. Colden. Same thing. He, there's no way you can make an immediate impact if you don't enroll early. This just does not it's just not going to happen. We never same, see that. Same exact thing happened with Farouk last year. He came in and hurt his hamstring on top of yeah. arriving uh, in the summer. Um, we talked to a couple of recruits today. Um, Lewis Carter was one of them. Said he's, he said, no, no, I'm arriving at OU next summer. I'll be late. He yeah. actually used the words like, I'm going to really enroll late. Normal. Well, no, you're yeah. actually enrolling at the normal time. <laughs> if you're not enrolling early, then guess what? You're enrolling late. Well, I think you saw that too. If if you want to go back and, and watch again, Sawcheck was not out there a ton on passing downs or in passing situations because of the pass protection. That's yeah. a, that's something that comes with knowing that the cropped up once. Yeah, and it did, and that comes with knowing the entire playbook, not just the hey, where do I run here, all that stuff. And I think you saw that, which is why Barnes was kind of leaned on in those situations, and, and that's fine. And Barnes uh, is good too. Yeah, and Barnes Barnes was fantastic as well. And I think that you saw too, for as much as this offensive line, like you said, Josh, Gold Star for what they did from the middle of the second quarter on. It, the running game was fine. Dylan Gaber was running for his life. I saw some people were, were kind of replying to some of our post-game videos, talking about how awful Dylan Gaber was tonight. Guys, in the passing game, Dylan Gabriel did everything he could to just extend plays. Yeah. Uh, Florida State had six sacks, and it wasn't like the sacks at the beginning of the year where Gabriel saw another football. Florida State was number 62 in the country coming in in rushing defense, and they're a top 20 team in sacks per game. Like The pass rush is where they make their money. And that's what happened. You saw OU was getting kind of used and abused third and fourth quarter especially. So Gabriel was doing everything he could. To, and that's why Jeff Levy called 60 run plays, which is a season high this year. Yeah, you beat me to the punch. So I was going to ask you guys next was just what did you think of, of, of Dylan Gabriel in this game? Because yeah. I, I thought he was fine. Um, no turnovers, which is nice. That's something he was doing early season. He did have that crazy fumble. Yeah, the Mims, I don't know away. how Mims recovered that. He came literally out of nowhere. <laughs> that, that made no sense that he recovered that. Um, but Gabriel's okay. I mean, he, he what, 14 to 24, I believe it was. I just mm -hmm. had it pulled up. A couple hundred yards, one touchdown, no picks. Thought he was fine. Like you said, he was running for his life a lot. I mean, I've been pretty critical of Gabriel this season. I, this isn't the game for me that's, um, you know, he was not good. He didn't will them to win. You know, he, he did okay. He had some good throws here and there. He underthrew Mims. Underthrew Mims. Uh, he went high on somebody went too high he did miss willis skipped one, probably yeah, for willis. a touchdown there yeah. that one and then skipped one to somebody stoops i think i can't remember uh but yeah i thought for the most part those were his three bad throws i think he had three bad throws he'd love to have him back of course especially the mims deep ball uh, but he also had 59 yards rushing positive yards rushing mm -hmm. take away the sacks right 42 yards and sacks but he had 59 rushing yards he was impressive tonight, and you could tell he was, uh, as I phrased it in the in the post game press conference, spicy. He was yeah. spicy. Me being back in Orlando meant something to him. He was efficient on third down in the first half, especially, which Oklahoma was able to have a couple of drives that went over three minutes in the first half. Something we haven't seen a ton of this year. Their first one was long, four and a, four and a half minutes. That was being the live blog because I was griping, griping, griping. And then the four and a half minute drive happened. I was like, I have nothing to gripe about again. I'm back. Uh, but yeah, no, I. He was, he was a lot better in the first half than he was in the second half. And, again, I, I think that Florida State's defensive line came out not expecting the physicality. And also, once they started to figure out 
young guys, they, they worked through their Rolodex of pass rush moves. They had more and more success. And like we said, uh, Dylan Gabriel did a great job using his feet tonight. There, there was uh, one huge play in the third quarter, I believe, where um, Florida State broke contain, or sorry, it was the fourth quarter. Florida State broke contain, and Gabriel was able to scamper for a 30-plus yard game right, right down the middle of the field, extended play. He was doing everything he could with his legs because they're – he was not getting time uh, in pass protection, yeah. which was to be expected with, again, four backups, and you really had a, a third stringer at left tackle all night long. Yeah. No. Um, kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. Oh, yeah, get with Dylan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and thus now we enter a very weird – not weird, but interesting offseason for him. He has not – still made any kind of official announcement on what he's doing. He probably shouldn't have to. He's been mysterious with it. that's the thing. He's, he probably should have to. He he's been asked, needs to. He's been asked directly a, a couple of times and has chosen to to dance around it. Um, he's going to get his family right. It just makes no sense to me at all that he wouldn't be back in Oklahoma, but until he says right. in this in this era, you kind of just – and uh, obviously people – People are very split on on Dylan, and and because of the young man you referenced earlier, Jackson Arnold coming in, yep. who I asked uh, today when we were there, because people are curious, you know, what's that dynamic like for you in terms of coming and sitting behind Gabriel? And he, he basically said, I'm okay sitting behind Dylan, mm-hmm. but he also mentioned, Great guy to learn from, but he also mentioned, I'm ready to be the guy when when they need me. Yeah, you know what I mean? What, so it, right. it's going to be interesting. Call, when they call my number, when they put me in the game, I expect to be able to do what they need me to do. He's like, if they need me now, they need me now. Yeah. Basically, it was kind of his approach. So, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for the spring. That's going to be a fun little storyline, assuming Dylan is back, which, again, I can't fathom him not being, but he's had the chance to say it twice and is yeah, declined to. Uh, my expectation is that Dylan Gabriel, so in today's uh, day and age, players are building brands, and so an announcement that you're returning Helps your brand, helps sure. build momentum into sure. that. My expectation is this is building toward an announcement for Dylan Gabriel to be back. And if you watch, go back deep into the All Sooners archives, back to two Mondays ago when we were in Norman, and he was talking about it. He was talking about, you know, uh, talking with his family, all that stuff. But he also was kind of like under his breath, like, and like, let's not blow this up. Into like, he didn't say those exact words, but it was a very sure. much of a. Sure. It'll be fine, type tone. Uh, my expectation is for him to be back. I think he's building toward an announcement that he's coming back, but uh, I believe that they are going to run this thing back. Yeah, no, I, I do too, but uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, fans are going to be clamoring, and not that that's going to have any impact on Venables or, or Jeff Levy, but if there is a slow start next year, that conversation will be, especially if he looks good in the spring game, and you see this, this type of thing crop up, especially at Brent's old place. We just saw this with uh, them sticking with DJ... DJU for probably too long when there was a hot shot freshman right there that could have helped you win. Well, not just that. That's happening this season when Brent Venables is a Norman. But remember, Trevor Lawrence comes in. Yeah, same and, thing. And basically, what, he replaced Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. And Kelly Bryant had not done anything wrong. Gets a starting job. Gets a starting job. Trevor Lawrence gets some time. And now this Oklahoma team, not saying they're going to win the national championship next year. Like, just have a winning season, anything like that. But the dynamic is similar. And Britt was on staff and experienced that and watched that happen firsthand. Yeah, you've seen the two the two ends of the spectrum just with Clemson there. One year, Dabo pulled the trigger, and they went like that, and they won the Natty. This year, he didn't, and everybody's left thinking that if he had, they probably are in the playoff right now. So we'll see. That's a conversation for later, obviously. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to do it, but it's going to be interesting. What about the defense in this game? So game 35 – you know, it felt like the linebackers played pretty well, I thought. I thought Stutzman had a nice 
nice game for the most part. You know, uh, Deshaun White, David Guaybu even piled up some tackles. We're not going to just do the Justin Burles bashing thing, but it was a rough game for him. Um, that that's, goes without saying. Um, most of the big plays, especially late in the game, were on his man, and Brent Venables admitted that. He, now, he didn't just sit up there and say Justin Burles got burned over and over, but he basically did because he said that they got matches we didn't like, yeah. which that's what he was talking about. And yeah. he even made a point of saying they, they got a, you know, one of their best receivers on one of our safeties. Yep. That's what he was talking So he basically Six. said multiple times – that matchup was not good for us, and they just abused it. 6-7 Johnny Wilson against 5-9 Justin Broyles. Justin Broyles had maybe the best coverage of his career late in the game. He did. It was a great coverage. Uh, guy makes a one-hand. He's 6-7. He reaches out, mosses him, makes a one-handed catch down the sideline to set up the game-winning field goal. What's Justin Broyles supposed to do about that, right? So, I don't know. On that one. On that one, there was like ten. There were others. There were others that he probably could have played a little better angle, a little better technique, whatever. Yeah, I I think that the defense deserves credit early on for they were getting enough interior pressure. Uh, The defensive ends were still anonymous, but they were getting enough interior pressure, and the linebackers, like you said, Josh, were were doing a nice enough job that uh, it really put a wrinkle in Florida State what they were trying to do. What we saw though is Mike Norvell got in there at halftime and made the adjustment that. Florida State was going to attack Oklahoma's safeties specifically, and they were going to attack them deep downfield. And then Florida State scored on four of their five drives in the second half. So I think that's kind of what you saw is that this is a defense that uh, we didn't see a ton of young guys. It was not the same story as the offense and Gavin Sawchuk and things like that. And so I think, frankly, the defense was kind of the, the same song and dance, except this was a bona fide top 20 offense, and yeah. it was not West Virginia. So something to – feel okay about, I guess. It, it was just a, uh, Mike Norvell did a good job after halftime of scheming that up and attacking the glaring weaknesses at Oklahoma, which is why they signed seven defensive backs in the 2023 class. Yeah, and uh, you, you're right. Um, it's a very different feel for the defense right now because it is kind of funny when you look at it, a lot of these guys are back. I mean, yeah. it's like Deshaun White, Broyles, and Redmond's going to the draft. That's kind of it. Like, most of the defense is going to be back. C.J. Cole. No, Aguebu's back. Yeah. back. Well, Aguebu has an extra year if he wants if it. If he wants it. Uh, C.J. Cole is gone. gone. But yeah. you, I think yep. you also saw there was a ton of Jaden Davis and a ton of Kanai Walker in the start of the third quarter when they were kind of – ended the second quarter, start of the third quarter, and then once Florida State started having more success, Jeffrey it, Johnson, it went back. Yeah, Jeffrey Johnson had a, a good uh, fourth down stop. Jeffrey Johnson, where has that been all year where he absolutely just – blew up an all-ACC guard and just obliterated uh, Florida State's play there on the fourth and one, fourth and two. But, yeah, it, it, they're going to have to get better. But it, it was one of those things where I, I think the second half success boiled down to Mike Norvell found Oklahoma's weaknesses, and Oklahoma's going to address those weaknesses, and it might just take two or three years for those guys to develop into where Brent Venables needs them to be. Something that stood out to me about the defense was clearly Danny Stutzman. Uh, he only had seven tackles, not a huge number, but guess what? He led the team tonight with seven solo tackles. He was all over the field. I was very impressed by Danny Stutzman. He, at some point, some light has come on for him, some f- switch has flipped for him to where he has uh, he, he studied film. Uh, you know, he, There was a big deal made about his lack of film study early in the season. He has embraced that clearly. He knew when things were happening. He knew what was going on all around him. Uh, Jordan Travis takes off on a one-on-one 
on a scramble. He gets out of the pocket and he's looking downfield and he's like, I can beat this guy. Stutzman hit him so hard at full speed, running full speed. It reminded me of Teddy Lehman. It reminded me of what Teddy Lehman used to do, just run through people. And at some point, Stutzman has, has, has the game has slowed down to, for him to the point where he is diagnosing things and understanding things, schemes and concepts. He's not having to think about things anymore. He's just playing full speed. He's going to be a special linebacker. Um, he was impressive. And I talked to Ted Roof for a few minutes afterwards about him. And yeah, Ted, Ted Roof said he can't wait to see what he does next year. Uh, not Stutzman, but also on linebackers and what you're talking about as far as play recognition, things like that. Remember, in the first half, there was a really nice play Florida State ran where Deshaun White was just beaming in off the edge on Jordan Travis, and it essentially worked out to be a little delayed draw screen, whatever you want to call it, where Travis was fine, 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 flips it to the running back, full wall ahead of him. In the second half, they tried to run a similar concept going, instead of to Jordan Travis's left, going to the right, Deshaun White stopped in his tracks tracked the running back, and him and Key Lawrence made that basically a, a zero-yard gain. I know that Deshaun White is graduating on and all that stuff, but I think that just shows with what you said about Stutzman and also White, how, like, how many times in the Alex Grinch defense did was it the same kind of play concept over and over and over, whether it be the tight end over the middle, yeah. the running back coming out of the backfield, and it never, no one ever grew, no one ever learned from it. It just felt like it was, hey, anytime you want it, that's there against the Oklahoma yeah. defense. So, um Again, Deshaun White's not going to be there, but that's just showing you that's kind of progress, and that's little nuggets that you haven't seen. Now, you're going to have to have 11 guys make that jump together for this to be a great unit in 2023, 2024, as they continue to grow. But there are nuggets that are there, which is why I think so much of the talk after the game was about this being the foundation, despite it being a losing season. Yeah, shout out you know, Deshaun White, certainly another good game for him. He had a good season um, on the way out here, and um, obviously played his last game, and to loop back to offense, Braden Willis, his last game. Uh, both those guys feel like the offensive and defensive versions of each other in, in a weird way of kind of just been in Oklahoma forever. Like they're going to be – it's going to be weird that they're not on the team uh, next year, and they both have said the same things a lot of wanting to – you know, this season got away from – you know, there's nothing they, – they went six and seven, but feeling like they are helping make progress for, you know – going forward and helping get this program and feeling like hey, we were part of that first Venables team and helped turn it around. Um, so shout out both of those guys as their OU careers wrapped up uh, today. Braden Willis had it with a few nice plays as always too. He's, yeah, he's, he was, yeah, he's he always was fun to watch. Uh, quick oddity from tonight's game uh, that I'm just coming across in the box score. We know uh, Ellison played, right? Yeah. He, he has entered the transfer portal. He played. Yeah. Bryson Washington is on the box score as having made a tackle. He's in the transfer portal. Uh, and then uh, Shane Witter, who suffered a season-ending injury. Did you guys see him out there? Uh -uh. He's on the box score, number 13, made yeah, a tackle. ESPN tonight. has him, too. Also, yeah. well, there might be some weird stuff because Justin Harrington was wearing 15 tonight for no apparent reason. Uh, oh, well, so he, so Harrington, he was wearing the whole game, I So think. Harrington was wearing 15 for punt coverage, and then instead of just uh, – shedding out of it he wore it for any special teams play so could that have been the the bryson washington and so maybe? and so there was um <laughs> that's so weird because i i saw him i felt like he was running the whole game because i never saw 37 i kept being like that's harrington right wearing 15 very, very appreciative of all of the help we got today at the cheese it bowl uh there were a lot of really good things 
The box score, there will be a little bit of sifting through it. Uh, okay, so I might be off on that. I'm just the, saying. That's in the box score. Yeah, I'm just, looking at ESPN has it. The stat speed was place, constantly probably. it was constantly a drive behind, and uh, we might have to chart our own box score uh, <laughs> watching the game That's back true. if we want something to be totally accurate. Sawchuck probably had 45 yards rushing. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a bad game. It was literally like four minutes behind. The play-by-play -play was like four minutes behind. At the end of every drive, it was like, what happened on that last time? Who scored that touchdown? How far was that touchdown? How many plays was that? We don't know. I will say – It's uh, my only game day complaint. I was going to say, like you said um, – I, I will note, I mean, obviously, it's kind of become a meme at this point, the Cheez-It Bowl, because it's just funny. The it's just a funny, it's, it's a, a funny, funny bowl. Name. It's a funny bowl name. Um, this was a, a very good cover, at least for me. I mean, you guys, we kind of have different experiences, but it was easy to get around, and the photo room was big. They fed us. There was tons of food. I mean, this was a, I had a pleasant experience covering this bowl game. I, I've told you before, I've never had a bad experience covering a bowl game, ever. Last year I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but it Houston Bowl was my worst. The Wi-Fi was spotty at Alamo, and the, the, just the fact it's not even the bowl's fault, but the, the thing kicks like a fifteen. <laughs> that wow. sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I there was no way I was having a bad day today once I confirmed that, or I got a no comment that Prince Chedward and the the royal family are. Uh, I asked if he was on the outs. I got a no comment. Made my life. Prince Chedward. Life made. Prince Chedward was electric, by the way. He was everywhere. I mean, they really got their money's worth out of that guy. I hope, I hope they paid him well because he was everywhere for four hours. I wonder if they just uh, went to the transfer portal and got a Disney cast member from across the road over to <laughs> Probably. be like, hey, you guys know how to entertain. Come be Prince Chedward. Probably. Also, I mean, it, go, it goes without saying, but um, I've never been in Tallahassee, who you have. Mm -hmm. We Like we mentioned, it was like 80-20 probably Florida State fans in here. And... Florida State's got just an electric aesthetic, and their fans are awesome. Yeah, they do. And the the Chief Osceola with the arrow, which you almost caught the field on fire, <laughs> but awesome. it was favorite. still electric. <laughs> That's my favorite part of Florida State football is that Chief the Osceola spear. rides out there it's on awesome. that Appaloosa and he throws that thing in the ground. It's fantastic. Oh, it was Especially great. Especially at Doak Walker. Doak, no, Doak uh, Campbell. Doak Campbell. Doak Walker's Doak Walker. I did that Doak earlier. Doak Walker running back. Doak, I had to Google it. I was like, wait, Doak is Campbell it Doak Walker Stadium, Stadium or Doak Campbell Stadium? The, Bobby uh, Bowden Field. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, this is why I have to be in the live blog because uh, I noted that that happened. I was like, that might be the last hiccup tonight for Florida State. It was not the last hiccup no, for the Seminoles, which uh, credit to Oklahoma. But, yeah, the Sooners sold out their ticket allotment for the Cheez-It Bowl. I'm not sure there was a single other Sooner outside of the people in the OU ticket allotment, which uh, – I, it's to be expected. This game's being played see? in Orlando. It felt so worse we're outside. Dri we're driving up to the stadium, and we saw two OU fans. Two. Out of 10,000 people? Yeah. Walk 5,000 people? Walking in, I thought this game was going to be like 95-5. Yeah. It ended up, I think, being more like 80-20 is how I would put it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, walking in, it was like I didn't see an OU fan. <laughs> um, and they had, of course, they had big tailgates out there. But it would be more like, I mean, it's in-state. Yeah, they had a better season. I, I yeah. mean, OU does a good job traveling They're to bowls. They're coming off three straight this years This was a perfect no storm. They're, they You're were right. happy to be here. You're right. You're right. I didn't even think about that aspect to it. So yeah, they were hungry. Um, it was a great atmosphere. Though. They this were was hungry a fun for Cheez-Its is what they were hungry for. Cheez-Its everywhere at this thing, <laughs> by the way. I mean, we got our – look at how sweet this box is. You can see it on the YouTube. Guys, guys, Cheez-It crackers, not Cheez-Its. Oh, Cheez-It right. crackers. Come on that. now. I'm not doing that. It's too stupid. I refuse. <laughs> Agreed. I love Cheez-Its, by the way. I've had a bunch here because there's just little mini bags everywhere. Just exactly piles, what you would think. Literally piles. Piles. Of like Scrooge McDuck of Cheez-Its is going on here. It's <laughs> awesome. They lived up to the name. Uh, shout out the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> they, 
They even were like, hey, if you need more of these boxes, just let me know. Yeah, they just like, we'll send we'll them to mail you. Them to we you. will mail them to you. Please, Which, we have so many tears. They came out with the trophy box ceremony. box gets damaged on the airplane, let us know and we'll mail you Which, more. Uh, the trophy ceremony was just that giant, you guys see that giant bowl filled with these boxes. Yeah. Like a thousand of these boxes in a big bowl. Which I, I feel bad for our guy saying that's helping us out because uh, you're getting that email. I'm sorry. Like, you're getting, you're getting that. that email. Yeah. I, I want the box. Please send more cheeses. <laughs> All right, last thing, and then we'll get out of here. We'll do what we always do, but this year, it's, or this week, or this time, I shouldn't say, is a little different, obviously, because the season is over. But spinning it forward, encouraging for next season tonight, or is it kind of like, eh, it's a bull? You know, I mean, what are looking, spinning it forward? I mean, I, I think there's reasons to be encouraged after no, this because a lot sure. of young guys played well, and we'll I see. Mean, they went six out. I mean, like Ryan said, first losing season in, in, of the, since the new millennium. I mean, that's not good, but. There's some things to be optimistic about, I think, as you head to the offseason. Yeah. Danny Stutzman said last year we won a lot of those close games because we finished a lot of those plays. This year we didn't finish a lot of those plays, and so we lost a lot of those close games. Okay, the math checks out there. A lot of young guys played, especially tonight. That was the impressive part to me. A lot of young, inexperienced, green, true freshmen who haven't played all season went out there against Florida State and played and played well. They made mistakes, yes, but they also played extremely well. We heard Gavin Sawchuk was sobbing in tears in the locker room uh, after the game. He's got nothing to hang his head about after going for 100 yards against one of the top run defenses in the country. Um, yeah, tough, tough to lose that fumble. It's not all on him. So there's a lot of there's a lot. The other guy, Javante Barnes, was a true freshman as well. We forget that because he's had such a good season. Uh, Nick Anderson got out there. There's a, just a bunch of freshmen yeah. and, and sophomores who didn't play last year as freshmen who uh, came out, like Savion Bird, came out and just dominated their man and, and, and showed a lot of promise that, uh, you know, you talk to some of the coaches afterwards, uh, stopping and shaking hands with some of them, telling them, thanks for, you know, appreciate it, had fun covering your team this year. And they're like, yeah, we what do you see next year's team? Uh, one of them actually said, we got a lot of dogs in the 2023 class, D-A-W-G dogs so uh, they're very excited about the future and with good reason the freshmen this year and the freshmen coming in next year well unfortunately they're going to play like freshmen next year but the future seems to be bright we'll see what the transfer portal does and we'll see what opt-outs do and stuff like that but yeah seems to be bright yeah the problem with this year's team that frustrated the fan base or i think this is the problem is that they played up and down to their competition outside of uh tcu in texas right um they they played down to a terrible West Virginia team for a half. They played down to a banged up that version of Oklahoma State. Awful. Texas Tech, I don't care if they beat Ole Miss, they're not any good. They played way down to them in the second half. Played down to UTEP. Played, played down State. to Yeah, played down to Kent State for a half especially. They were getting shut out almost at halftime. Yeah. State so that's got to get fixed. And I think a lot of that frustration was that that was happening with not – Brent Venables players, but guys that have played a lot of football. Tonight they played up to a bona fide top 15 team. Yep. Like like Hoove said, this Florida State team's not winning an Addy next year, but they're a top 15 football team. That's a good football team. And they played up to them and took the fight to them. So, yeah, that's going to be encouraging. Um, but I think a little bit of bowl pixie dust. Like, this team's got issues next year. Uh, we'll have a whole offseason to, to sift through all of those. And like you said, Hoove, with young guys coming in to fill that void, they're still going to be up and down. It's just going to be, can they find enough consistency to paper over the the highs and the lows a little bit better so that a couple of those games break their way and they're moving close toward eight, nine wins, then a losing season? We'll have to see. Um, there's going to be a lot of 
retrospective. Like, I thought Jeff Levy had an awesome game plan tonight. He mixed tempos really well as well. That has to continue into next year. If they revert back to the frustrating two minutes score punt, then things aren't going to be much different. So it's a good foundation. The thing with foundations, though, is you have to build them or they're just going to be a hole in the ground. And that's what Oklahoma has to do next year. And with that, year two of us as a unit in the books. Uh, it was a fun season again. It was hard. Last season was a circus because of just all the things when you're around it, but the team was still winning somehow. Yeah. This year was more calm, but they were losing all the time. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll strike that balance next year, um, and we'll find out uh, what can happen. But year two in the books, I feel like this year, um, even though it didn't go well for Oklahoma as well as last season, I feel like especially our post-game shows really took off this year. I think we picked up a lot more people. So uh, shout out to everybody who found us. Hopefully you'll stick with us through, um, obviously, the coming months and the offseason. Obviously, you should know, but – the spring we die it's just like during the season basically we have a lot for you year-round this thing doesn't stop we're year-round in these parts obviously with other sports as well getting more into the mix as we go so uh OU Texas on Saturday basketball one o'clock yeah that game tips off in about 36 hours yep and we'll be there. Yeah. Got hoops. Got diamond sports coming. Before you know it, spring football will be here. Spring football. It's gonna be, we're going to be sitting at media days before you know it. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So that's it. You got anything? Any last no, words? No. Appreciate everybody for watching the, the post-game pods. Yeah. As you all know, have been uh, super late. And that's a grind after a 15, 16, 18, 20-hour day sometimes. But uh, we love doing them. They are fun, and uh, we're glad that you guys have enjoyed them because what Josh said is right. The numbers have really gone up on those. So, yeah, we appreciate y'all. Ditto, and uh, here's to more death sandwiches in 2023. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Uh, Disease sandwiches. <laughs> Disease sandwich. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Disease sandwich. That's it. Um, we're out of here, and we'll try and get home, hopefully. Hopefully smoothly. we got to get to the airport in like two hours. I'll see you in two days. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Who? I'm staying in Orlando for the bowl. Who's the, staying uh, in Orlando for more Under Armour coverage? Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have uh, – we, we put some of it out, like we've said, Jackson Arnold, but there's a lot more that we haven't done anything with yet because we just did that and then came straight – literally straight here. So keep an eye out for that coming up in the, over the next week or so is who's still going to be here, and we'll roll out more of that stuff. And then, like we said, other sports. And before you know it, it'll be spring ball and we the machine – the machine starts over, and we do it all again uh, in 2023. So that's it. Thank you so much for watching, as always. We'll be back next week for the regular show. We didn't get to do it this week because of all the travel insanity. But we'll be back normal time, uh, hopefully. We'll wait. What's up with you? I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> you'll come back to Wednesday, right? I don't know. Maybe next Thursday. Watch out for us. Uh, we'll figure it out. But we'll be back. I'll be home when I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back for regular show uh, next week. Wrapping up who's uh, you know time at the Under Armour game and anything else that trickles out over the next week or so. Uh, wrapping up some more stuff. You can catch that one and all the shows on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. If you have an Amazon able to fight, just say Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. It's also posted on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And again, obviously, watch all the shows on Who's YouTube page, John Hoover Media. That's it from Orlando. 2022 is in the books. 2022 season is a wrap. For Ryan Chapman and John Hoover, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you next week.